Well, I'm so pleased this morning to be able to welcome back our seminarian from this past summer, Chinanso, and our own Deacon Joseph, both back from seminary as of last night. I agree. They made it through the whole semester. It's fantastic. Neither of the schools ever shut down, although apparently there were periods of quarantine, and I'm grateful that they get to be back here with us. And all three of us have a link. Joseph is still at my alma mater, the Josephinum in Columbus. Chinanso was there for two years before he graduated from pre-theology and moved on to theology at the Athenaeum in Cincinnati, Ohio. And in our daily mass chapel there at the Josephinum, as you go around the top of the chapel with the uh, tabernacle in the center and then along the side, the first 14 verses, if I'm not mistaken, of the Gospel of John go all the way along the top in Latin. And part of our Gospel today is at the very center. And when you look at it, it doesn't seem to make a lot of sense. It's the line talking about St. John the Baptist is right above the tabernacle, and it's the line, he was not the light. It's an interesting thing that when you look at that and walk in and see written in Latin above the tabernacle, he was not the light. Looks like an odd placement for that. But if you look at the place where this is, that it's a chapel for seminarians, for future priests, it's a sort of like a reminder that you know, God uses other people to go out there and proclaim the good news. God uses those like St. John the Baptist to go out and proclaim that we need to prepare the way of the Lord. But at the same time, it was almost meant in a way for us seminarians to remember that we ourselves are not the light, that we point towards the light of Christ, the light that is coming into the world, the light that was not overcome by the darkness, that all of this is not on our shoulders in particular, but we have hope because of what's right below those words, the tabernacle. Jesus Christ in our midst. And so it's sort of like this daily reminder that, hey, buddy, while you are not the light, you point towards the light. And that was such a freeing thing in so many ways. You know, it's like we're not going out there, you know, you got to save the world yourself, buddy. The world's just waiting for you to be a priest and everything will be fine. No, but we jump in into the work. Now, I remember another thing when I was at the Josephinum, a line from one of our priests just one day kind of telling us this story. He said that his sister dropped his nephew off for the first time at kindergarten, and the little guy was very quiet that day, just kind of clearly anxious. Now, he wasn't crying, but the sister could kind of tell, like, you know, he's uncomfortable, doesn't... It's that first day of school jitters, she left him, she went. You know, and there he is at kindergarten all day, and apparently... You know, wasn't his normal sort of like talkative, outgoing self. It was just very anxious and reserved. And when she came back at the end of that first day of school to pick him up, when she appeared in the doorway and he saw her, apparently his face lit up and he ran over and hugged her and he said, You came back! And I think I remember hearing that and just thinking, My goodness, like how often do all of us in some ways kind of go through the same thing, Right? Like, we know, I think, you know, in some ways, like, you know, you look at that little guy and you want to say to him, like, buddy, come on, your mom's going to come back, you know, it's okay, hang in there. 
But it's almost like he didn't know it in his bones. This was new to him. He wasn't sure what was happening, but was so relieved and joyful when she came back. And I think in some ways, you know, I think like the angels and saints in heaven must look at us like we look at that little kindergartner thing. Come on, buddy, you know she's going to come back. Well, for us sometimes, the way we live our lives, do we live in such a way that we expect him to come back? that we expect our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ to be in the middle of all of this with us? Or do we live in such a way thinking like, I have to be the light, I have to be the one to go out there and make everything great? Or do we look for his coming? Do we expect him to be here? Do we do what we need to do to stay focused on him? As you know, for these last couple of weeks, we've been focusing on the first three of the commandments. You know, first, you shall have no other gods beside me. Last week, you shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain. And this week, you, know, you shall keep holy the Sabbath. And I think in some ways, you know, that particular commandment is given to us almost like you, you need to say to the little guy in kindergarten, you've got to remember, she's coming back. It's okay. You know, hang on. I think sometimes in our day-to-day lives, when we go back out there for the other six days, we forget. We get overwhelmed by anxiety. We, we start to fall into the trap of all sorts of different things that grab at our attention, that sort of take us off of our focus of why, were we, why we were created, to love, to know, and to serve God in this life, and to be happy with him forever in the life to come. There's so many things that grab at our attention and you know, sort of like try to pull us down into despair or remind us of the disappointments of this life or just make us think that, gosh, there is no light or there is no hope or this is all up to me. But God knows us better than we know ourselves, knows that we have got to stop, that we've got to stop regularly to have this rhythm of life of pausing at least once a week to recognize the fact that the light has come into the world, that I'm not the light, that you're not the light, but that we do have the light, Jesus Christ. That now, you know, we went from the Sabbath, that seventh day when God rested after creation, and we have moved into not an eradication of the Sabbath, but its fulfillment. Today is the first day, the Lord's day, the day that we celebrate the fact that the light was not overcome by the darkness. Every single Sunday is another celebration of the resurrection, of the fact that we do have hope, that we know that this fallen world is not where everything ends, that God is in our midst, and that we have a hope to be with him, to be happy with him forever in heaven. And if we don't stop, if we basically spend all of our time immersed in the day-to-day work of the world, which work in and of itself, not bad, but... If we continue in that all the time, we do get overwhelmed. And I think we can see it so much right now. I've heard this you know, crazy COVID time described as just one long day since March. And I even saw a headline, I should have read the article, but basically saying that those who have regularly practiced their faith during this time are the ones who have come through this with the best mental state. And I will say, my mental state is still not 100%. But... You know, we got to do our best, right, to make sure that we're stopping to recognize why we have hope, that the light is with us all the time. Now, just like the last couple weeks, I gave you a reading assignment. So this week, this section in the catechism 
that tells us about this particular commandment is paragraphs 2168 to 2195. I highly recommend it. Pick it up, look at it. Catechism's all available online from the Vatican website, from the USCCB website. It's out there. We'll put a link up. But there's one paragraph in particular, 2172, that I love the way that it ends. It says that Sunday is the day to renew our protest against the servitude of work and our worship of money. I mean, talk about some harsh language, right? Now, like I said before, Yes, do we have to work? Do we need to support our family? Of course. But does that sometimes take precedence over what is most important? I can't tell you how many confessions I've had where someone confesses, Father, I'm just so frustrated and anxious and I keep taking it out on my family. It's like, well, what's making you so anxious and frustrated? My job, it's just so tough and this and that. It's like, wait a second. Why are you working in the first place? What is the point of the work? To support my family. Exactly. Like, why are you letting this means to support them rob you of the joy of loving them, of being there with them? Now, I get it. I know that there are causes of anxiety out there. But that is why we have got to reclaim a day every week, the Lord's Day, Sunday. And I just almost want to just say thank you to God for making this one in particular so beautiful, right? I mean, I felt like an idiot this morning when I had to tell people that were coming in at 730 who didn't get the memo about the 8 o'clock mass and saying, yeah, we had to cancel the 8 because of the cold. Yeah, sorry, we don't know what's coming exactly, right? I mean, it was warmer at 7.30 this morning than it was last week at 12.30. Go figure. Still, though, since, what, the beginning of May, we've only had two Sundays where we couldn't be outside. God is so good. But at the same time, it's like when you think about this, like why do we stop and do it? Is it just because it's what I've always done, this is the routine, back to normal, or... Is this the day that we stop and recognize the fact that God has come into this with us? That the light is in the world. That as we hear in Isaiah, the same words that Jesus repeats in the synagogue when he's handed the scroll about, you know, now this has dawned upon you. The spirit of the Lord God is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to bring glad tidings to the poor, right? That he has come to proclaim liberty to captives. And too often, we get captivated, we get overcome by, frankly, our modern-day Egypt, by looking at just material possessions of wanting to be more comfortable, of wanting things to be more convenient as basically our new Egypt, our new God. But remember, where is John talking from today? What is he? The voice of one crying out in the desert. Where is the desert? The place where Moses took the people out of Egypt to go do what? To worship God to give them that freedom. So many times, their hearts were hardened. They wanted to go back. They wanted it just to be the way that it's always been. But Moses wanted them to be what? Free. Free to worship and know the fact that they were called to more than mere servitude to passing things. And my brothers and sisters in Christ, we're called to the same thing. Yes, sometimes we have to make different sorts of sacrifices than we have in the past. Masks and being outside. I get it. But Christ remains in our midst. Whatever we have to do to stay close to him, to take this day aside, to remember the fact that what? He came back. We can be like that kindergartner. We can forget the fact that it should be so obvious that we have hope, that he's in our midst, that he stays with us. And we have to do everything we can to free ourselves from the slavery of forgetting that, to free ourselves from the slavery of hopelessness, 
to free ourselves from the slavery of just mindless stuff all the time that doesn't help us to see the fact that the light has come into the world, that the light is Jesus Christ. He stays with us all the time. Let's pray for that grace, yes, to reflect on what it means to keep holy this day, to step aside from our day-to-day work, to make it different, to make sure that we don't just continue on in the same sort of slog and march all the time, letting our anxieties overcome us, letting the news just be the main thing that we take in, but rather letting the darkness that so often envelop us be shattered by the light that has entered into the world. Don't be afraid to go into the desert, to follow the voice of John the Baptist, to see where it leads, every day stepping aside from the day-to-day tasks, stepping aside from what we do Monday through Saturday, and focusing on the one who has come into all of this with us by keeping holy this particular day, the Lord's Day. Praise be Jesus Christ, now and forever.